Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. For a number of us, perhaps the end goal is to one day run our own dental clinic, but all we've ever known is how to be good clinicians, and practice ownership is a whole new can of worms. Welcome back to What I Wish I Knew. My name is Erica Huyen, and we are joined with our final segment with Mr. Harry Nicolades, who is one of Australia's leading lawyers in the dental field. And in today's episode, we talk about the new grad that wants to be a practice owner, the different ways that we can get into practice ownership, what we should be looking out for, and the checklists we should cover before getting our feet wet. This is just a small introduction into this whole field of practice ownership. But for anyone who's interested, I hope this is a little teaser, and let us know if you'd like to learn more. Sure, there are um, lots of checklists if somebody's thinking about finding your <laughs> business. I suppose the, the, the first thing that people should be um, thinking about is looking to get into a, an endeavour that carries with it risk and more significant risk than I've been exposed. All, all the other risks that I have uh, been exposed to in my clinical work and everything I've done up until this point of view, they all exist and will continue to exist. But you now for then enter into the realm of I'm now going to be a business owner. And so there's all the, the associated risks with owning a business. Financial ones are the obvious ones. Again, harking back to what I mentioned before about that, uh, you know, the importance of informing yourself of what you're getting yourself into and the nature of the relationship that you're going to enter into with somebody else, if it is. So... How do they get into practice ownership? As you say, it could be a um, loosely what we loosely call a partnership with the existing principal or another principal of another practice. Uh, it could be buying uh, into it not in an equal share but just as a small share. It could be that, you know, after several years you might think, I'm going to start up my own practice. So you are literally starting from scratch. You need to find a site. You need to find a, a, a location. You need to construct premises, get out, all those sort of things, leases and what have you need to be put in place. That's a, a different proposition, of course. Then you have those who want to buy out of practice, uh, uh, buy another practice completely, depending upon the size of it. Uh, that's potentially quite a big venture. I mean, good practices that are worth, um, uh, that are um, making good money for their owners, obviously they come at a premium. Smaller practices, perhaps practices not doing as well in the location that they are and for, for whatever reasons might, might have run down or whatever, might come at a cheaper price, which and therefore needs additional energy and, and effort being put into it to build it up, but it's more affordable. There are lots of factors. There are lots of checklists. If you are looking to get into a business in the immediate future or in the, in the medium term future, make a decision that that's actually what you want to do. I want to be a business owner. And with that comes the attendant risk with being an owner. Then look at, well, what can I afford? What opportunities are realistically available for me? Do I want to be in partnership? Do I want to have a small share? Do I want an equal share? Do I want to buy a practice entirely for myself? Do I want to start up something um, from scratch? Each of those things has its own checklist and has its own formula, if you like, that you need to apply to determine whether the arrangement is going to be beneficial for you or to be on the terms that you want. The greater the control you have, 
in terms of equal shareholding or buying the entire practice, the better in terms of control, but obviously then it's the greater amount of risk that you're, you're taking as well uh, and therefore greater responsibility on your shoulders. You talk about having a minority share in, in, a, in a practice, then it really is you have um, less control but obviously less risk and obviously less reward from that investment. Um, so you need to also work out what your tolerance is for risk. Are you somebody who's saying, I'm fine, I've got the support of my bank and of my uh, family and I can do my homework about buying into a practice and even though I've got limited experience, I know the resources to go to to get the right kind of advice. I know the right um, accountants who know about whether to assess a practice as a viable one. I know the right consultants that provide many services that assess the viability of a, of a practice or a, or a location. I know who the brokers are that sell the practices. I know some lawyers who deal in this space who know what to look for and what not, what to look out for. Like any project, um, you know, tap into the specialist um, expertise that you need because you don't have that. Uh, and each of those then comes at a cost. You need to factor in the cost of those services that you need assistance with, uh, and those costs are going to be over and above what it is that you are either investing, you know, are you throwing in $100,000 as a whatever, you know, 10% share of a practice, or are you uh, borrowing uh, five or $600,000 from the bank to buy a practice somewhere the financial side of things is critical you need to to budget what that is you need to get the approvals uh, from banks um, and you need to set up the right kind of structure you don't just walk up to a practice and buy it or invest in it um, you need to do yeah. all of that homework before accountants will will be able to tell you you need to have this structure in place you need to have you need to set up this trust or you need to set up this company this is all language which you've never heard before and you don't know why it is that you would need any of these yeah. things, but they are critical to set up to make sure that you set up your investment in a practice in the right way. Aside from the controls that you want to put in place and the protections you want to put in place, um, the other reason to make sure it's set up properly, however you enter a practice, is if in two years or five years or however many years' time you decide you want to do something and the way in which it's been set up doesn't facilitate that or, in fact, create some sort of problem, it, it, it's difficult to be fixing that if you haven't set it up right. It can be costly and or impossible to fix that in five years' time. Had you set it up in the way in which gives you the flexibility to deal with your interest in the future in a certain way that allows you to have that flexibility, then that's well and good. But if, you, if you've not set it up in the right way, five years' time you want to do something or you have some issue that arises, to undo or unwind what you did five years ago may be impossible. And if it is possible, it may cost you twice or three times as much. Uh, and suddenly your investment becomes not a waste of time but not as financially remunerative for you as you thought because it might even create some some financial burdens that you didn't contemplate at the time 
a student or new grad, CPD can be expensive. The cost of the course itself, flight tickets, accommodation and finding time amidst clinic, lectures and exams can be a lot. Thankfully, our friends at RIPE Global have got you covered. RIPE Global offers an education platform with hundreds of hours of lectures, hands-on procedures and recordings of live content from their full-day courses. And you can access it all from the comfort of your own home. From now until September 1st, you can use our code HEADSTARTRIPE30 to get 30% off the annual membership. And go in the running to win a spot at RIPE Global's Crown Prep Bootcamp, where you'll spend a whole day drilling crown prep exercises until you're confident. Visit ripeglobal.com or check out our show notes for more information. I think what I gather is that, um, you know, this, this concept of being a business owner is very complicated and actually quite out of our realm as dentists where, you know, we've been trained, we've gone to university for so many years to learn how to drill teeth and fix teeth and pull them out. But when it comes to business ownership, like you said, we really need a whole team of advisors and accountants and you know, brokers and lawyers who know better than us and can make, um, provide us the advice to be as well informed as we possibly can. Harry, you mentioned before, for, like you gave examples of you know what an accountant might be able to advise you about or what a broker would be able to advise you about could we dive into perhaps a little bit more about as a lawyer what things would you be advising about or how would you be helping out in terms of um, you know people who want to um, yeah be a practice owner and I understand it probably differs depending on you know whether you're partnering up with someone or buying outright or taking over another one but what kind of services do you offer? Let's take an example uh, of a particular type of investment and let's say it is a, an equal partnership that you're looking to buy into with the owner. In that situation, what would we do? What's our, generally what our advice be? In that situation, how we help is we say, all right, well, firstly, you need advice about how you are going to hold your interest in that practice. You, that might seem like, well, we just get the money and I've got 50% of that and away we go. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's why we talk about structuring. So you might need some yeah. structuring advice. How are you going to hold that interest? Do you need to set up some trust? Do you need your account to set something up or whatever else? So the first part of that assistance that we say to you is give you some advice about the different kind of structures that are available and what the benefits the advantages and disadvantages of having those in place. Having then worked that out, make a decision on that, then we say, well, okay, how is the practice going to operate? How is, how is your relationship with your partner going to be governed? How are the decisions going to be made about one thing or another? What's going to happen when... Situa the situation might change. There's some development there. You might want to work less. You might want to um, sell your interest. You might want to want um, uh, to um, expand the practice. Your partner may not want to. All of the different things that occur in a long-term relationship need to be, as much as possible, thought about at the time you enter the relationship, discussed, 
and agreed as to what's going to happen if. So we get involved very heavily in what's going to happen if because we then set out in the agreement. It's a contract. It's yet another contract by another name between you and the practice owner as to this document is going to govern our relationship in terms of what's going to happen if this, what's going to happen if that, who's going to do this, when do we do that? If this occurs, what are the what um, uh, what's the procedure that we're going to follow? And you know, we call those things by different names, like you know, unit holder agreements or shareholder agreements or things like that. But they basically govern the relationship between you and your business partner um, in relation to what's going to occur in the business. So lawyers get involved in that um, side of things um, because we can contemplate. We've seen what might occur in the running of a business and we see the problems that do occur and we try to um, document that up front. Um, so that's the part, that's then the part that the lawyers do. Then beyond that, there are, um, uh, if, if you then look at other types of contractual arrangements, if you are buying a property, uh, if you are buying into a practice, uh, buying the practice entirely, if you like, Lawyers' involvement in, in those situations would be, um, our involvement there would be giving you advice about the contract to, to, to purchase the business from the existing vendor, giving you advice in, in relation to what the um, lease arrangements are that are in place, giving you um, some advice about um, the employment situation in terms of employees that are at that practice. Um, often vendors will want to stay on for a period of time. What's your contractual relationship going to be post-settlement with that vendor? Other contracts do you need? Do you need employment contracts? Do you need an a services and facilities agreement prepared for the dentists that are going to operate from that practice? Anything contractual, any contractual relationship uh, is where lawyers principally get involved the more you learn about orthodontics, the more you see it applying to almost every case. It might not always be necessary, but it's almost always an option. So then you think, I want to do aligners for my patients, and your challenge is to learn how to do that to a high standard. But once you've learnt that, many people find that the challenge then is how do you actually make that work within your practice? How do you make this efficient and therefore profitable enough for you to be able to provide that to your patients in private practice? There's two people I think about when I think about aligners and then practice management. That's Dr. Jeff Hall and Dr. Jesse Green. And now they've come together to create Clear Aligner Excellence, their new education platform that is aiming to solve both of these problems for you in your practice, while also giving you huge discounts off the major aligner therapy companies. Over the next six years, Aligner Therapy is forecast to increase by 28%. This is a huge opportunity. Take it with both hands. Clearex.com.au I do have one last question for you on this topic and it's just okay we've decided we want to go into this now we want a lawyer or we need a lawyer to help us out I understand that law is a very big world and there are a lot of different lawyers I know the right answer is Harry Nicolaides from KL Gates but <laughs> how do we choose the right lawyer in terms of you know who specifically um, should we be looking 
for in terms of what they specialize in? Does it need to be someone that's familiar with the dental realm? Are there specific companies or how do we go about looking for a right lawyer to help us out? Um, That's a really good question because um, there are lots of good lawyers around and there are lots of people who um, know their way around business sale agreements, SFAs, unit holders agreements. There's lots of good lawyers out there. How do you tell if they, uh, whether you, in the event that you don't use firms like our firm, who does a lot of work in that space, and we have specialties across commercial, real estate, dispute resolution, leasing people, um, there's not an area that, that we've talked about, you know, employment um, teams. There's not an area that we've talked about that we don't have a specialist here that um, uh, to the extent and if we do need them, we can't tap into them straight away. Um, so if you, um, when you're looking for a lawyer, firstly, um, because dentistry has its, as any, any specialty does have, it has its own little peculiarities that people can find out about it. For example, you know, what's this deal with preferred providers? Well, we know what preferred provider is all about and what's involved in it. Now, somebody can go and learn about that, for example, but what you want to do is to make sure that you're using somebody who preferably has had sufficient experience in buying or selling a dental practice or preparing a services and facilities agreement or reviewing an employment contract. Um, don't come back to the, the underlying theme of what my comments have been, um, which is yeah. um, informing yourself as best as possible. Absolutely. Ask the lawyer, whoever it is you're talking to, uh, whether they have done this before. How many of these have you done? Uh, have you looked at this issue before? Um, is this something that uh, you or someone in your team specialises in to the extent it's needed? Um, ask those questions. Just like if I was to come to, um, as I did, with uh, needing some dental treatment um, a year and a half ago, you know, when I ask about a particular person, I say, well, how many of these have you done? And, and they say, hundreds. I go, fine. Well, that's step one. You've got an established um, credentials about that. You might get recommend. I then get recommendations from him, uh, from others about the particular person. Same thing. Ask around, see who they recommend. One thing probably that's really important though to know is the temptation to go to the the lawyer that mum and dad used once to do their conveyance or their to do their will or to uh, help them with a with a uh, with their lease or something like that. That person may or may not be appropriate, but um, if you're investing in buying a practice and you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, then um, you might want to consider making sure that the person that you're choosing has experience in what you are doing. And don't be afraid to ask the questions. And it's very easy for me to say this next comment, but somebody who has um, demonstrated expertise in an area uh, because they do um, have done that uh, on many occasions, um, they're more likely to, particularly if they're a city firm, they're more likely to, to charge you a little bit extra or maybe even a lot extra But to, that, than what, you know, some lawyer that's been recommended to you who perhaps 
hasn't done a lot of these but is prepared to do it at half the price that somebody else might. Temptation is always to go, oh, well, a lawyer's a lawyer is a lawyer. He's 5000 she's 10000 Have a guess which one I'm going with. Um, think about what you're spending on your expertise, lawyer, accountants, other consultants. Compare it to the amount that you're investing in this venture and you'll suddenly realise that potentially saving two or three or four thousand dollars on an expenditure over here without with the added risk of having people deal with it that aren't experienced in the area all that does is increase the risk of something going wrong with your little baby over here that's worth half a million or seven hundred thousand dollars because they haven't done something right not saying they're going to make mistakes but the um, ease with which things happen if you have people with demonstrated experience in an area, um, it should be uh, a lot better than people dealing in a space where they haven't dealt with it frequently. And I think even just from this conversation that I've had with you, what I gather is that, you know, lawyers really you have the foresight or you have the foresight to predict you know what if or what if things go wrong and I think that a lot of that just comes with experience like people can tell you but you're probably not so much in tune with it as you are with experience where you you know these are the common mistakes that come up or these are the things that you know time after time happen and with experience I guess you know that and that comes from you know finding a lawyer that has you know done it many times before. And, the, and they will, an experienced lawyer in that space and in this industry will know, as you say, what things are critical, what things are more likely to arise or to be an issue, and also, importantly, they will know how to address those in the contracts that they're, that they're dealing with and not only how to address them but how to address them in a, in a practical and realistic way because... Um, you know, if you take if you take the analogy with what you do, um, any problem with a tooth, one solution is to simply remove it. But um, there might be five other solutions that are uh, equally, um, well, probably more attractive, and um, uh, should be explored before you get to number five. And so, yeah. um, when a problem arises in uh, the realms that we're talking about here, um, somebody who has done many of these contracts will know that instead of, whilst a particular option is available, there are um, multiple other options that are more practical, commercial, potentially equally efficient and effective, um, which, which are the better courses to pursue rather than the extreme option. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.